The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about how music soothes the savage breast. And yes, it's breast, not beast, as it is often misquoted. It's a quote from William Congreve, and the whole quote is, Music hath charms to soothe a savage breast, to soften rocks or bend a knotted oak. And uh, indeed, so if you're, if you're feeling a little savage today or know anyone who, who is, um, this is for you. Actually, it's for everyone, and I'll tell you why I, I wanted to talk about this topic today. This weekend, I had a marvelous experience. Um, thanks to my friend, Mari Edelman, who uh, is on the board of a wonderful group called Musica Angelica. And she was helping to organize a concert that they had this past weekend. And were it not <laughs> for her influence, uh, getting me to drop all my other, other things, uh, all the other work I'm doing, things that seem so terribly important, I would not have gone, and had I not gone, I would have missed something wonderful. And as I was sitting there listening to this beautiful music that really does put you in touch with yourself, in touch with a deeper part of yourself, uh, in touch with the part that's not really thinking about your to-do list, I, I would have really missed this. And um, I thought about how we... In this busy world, in this all the cacophony of the news, the horrible news that we hear day to day, and the cacophony of our own lives, um, we miss out on some of music's sweetest sounds. And I'm not talking about rap. <laughs> I'm talking about music, classical music, Baroque music, all kinds of music. Uh, and yes, I am. Uh, I am terribly uh, against rap because so we, I will not be including that when I'm talking about music because most of it is violent, and we all know if you've been listening to the show uh, before how how strongly I feel about the impact of violence in the media affecting us all to become that much more aggressive, and some of us to become actually really violent. So when I say music, it's not rap. But it reminded me this weekend how much we really uh, need to be back in touch with music, especially some of the music from the real past. I don't mean the 80s. <laughs> I mean like Baroque and classical music. And um, I, not that there's anything wrong with the music from the 80s, but I just mean that we have to even go further. There, is, there was music before then. And it is really important to bring all of that back into our lives so that we can create a little space to be 
thinking and feeling at a deeper level. In fact, let me read you a quote from Martin Hasselbach. He's the music director and conductor of Musica Angelica. And he said, The power of music takes us out of our daily routines and gives focus to our spirits and souls. It is truly remarkable that musicians take notes on a page and transform them into emotions. And that is so, so true. And my guests um, are people who have devoted their lives, in fact, to reminding us of the power and the importance of music. So let me introduce them. Uh, first of all, Laura Spino, she is the manager of Musica Angelica. Uh, I met Laura this weekend at the concert, and it was just really breathtaking. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you. Glad to be here. And also, um, Scott Robertson, he is with the National Association of Music Merchants, and uh, they have a lot of incredible programs, I was looking at your website, that um, tries to get all different kinds of people involved in all different kinds of music. Uh, but to not forget the value of having music in our lives, making space for it. So welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, thanks very much. It's my pleasure. Well, why don't we start with um, you, Laura, and tell us about how you, you, know, how you got involved in uh, Musica Angelica and what Musica Angelica does and hopes to do and, and sort of how you're trying to deal with this problem of making space in people's lives um, to recognize, you know, just how beautiful and valuable it all is. Well, I, I became involved with Musica Angelica about seven years ago when uh, the group decided that they wanted to start an orchestral series. Up until that point, they had really been focusing on the chamber music aspects of Baroque music, which, again, are just vast and, and so varied because the Baroque period really lasted quite a long time. But uh, they really wanted to uh, expand and do more of the... Um, we call the, the top 40 hits, I suppose, of the Baroque era, meaning the larger pieces by Vivaldi and Bach and Handel, which is really what people uh, associate most directly with that period in time. Um, you know, one unusual thing about this group in Los Angeles is that they actually play on the historical instruments of that time. So, uh, uh, of course, we have the LA Philharmonic and many other orchestras in town that play on modern instruments. Our, our players actually play on the, the authentic violins, the authentic oboes, the authentic flutes. Everything is, is uh, sort of like the pre-generation of instruments, so you get a much softer and more beautiful sound. Um, but like I was saying, they, they were looking to expand, and, and after um, my experience originally with the LA Philharmonic putting on large-scale concerts, I, I found that it would be interesting to work with a smaller group. And uh, so I, I moved over to, to start this series with Musica Angelica, and we've, we've actually grown quite a bit over the last seven years, I'm very happy to say. And, and as you mentioned, we have our music director, Martin Hasselbach, who comes in from Vienna and has also taken us to new heights, and we're excited to work with him. Um, and uh, right now we're, we're just continuing to try to, to help different audiences uh, in Los Angeles realize that, that listening to Baroque music, as the composers intended, is really a special thing. And uh, it's really it's so unique to hear a Bach Christmas Oratorio or a Vivaldi, um, some of those effervescent pieces like the, the Four Seasons or the other violin concertos. Uh, the instruments were created at that time to play that music properly. So you have a lot of quick passages, and the bows are much lighter, and the, the strings bounce more, and you get more of a dance feel. And uh, 
And so Music Angelica, to me, has just been really an exciting group to work with because it is such a unique part of uh, what we think of as classical music today. And the just for people who aren't sure of this, the Baroque, could you just tell us about the Baroque period? I know you mentioned some of the composers, but when was that? Well, the Baroque period, I could, I could more easily tell you when it ends, um, which is 1750, which is the death of Johann Sebastian Bach. Um, as far as the beginning, uh, it's, it's, it's a little fuzzy um, it, because we had a renaissance up until the late 16th century, and then sometime at that point, late 16th century, uh, things started to change, and um, there was more notes being written down on pages, and, and uh, the contrapuntal styles were a bit different, but, but basically broke started in the late 16th century and went to about 1750. So we have almost 200 years' worth of composers uh, and literature to draw from. Um, and also instruments were changing a lot at that time, too. Um, basically, uh, we, before with, with Renaissance, you had a lot of vocal music being accompanied by small groups like lutes. Um, and, and then as time went on, we started to see that... that the development of the harpsichord and, and the violins and, and larger and larger groups. And, of course, as you exit the Baroque period and go on to classical, then things are getting even louder and larger until you get it to Wagner where it's huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, So the Baroque is that, that period um, basically that also you, you had the church becoming more and more involved in, in having music written for, for their church programs for every Sunday. And that's why we see a lot of Bach cantatas, Bach wrote, I forgot it exactly how many cantatas, but in the hundreds. And uh, it was basically for every Sunday he would write a new mass, complete with music. Mm. And uh, boy, I tell you, if we still had Bach cantatas being written, I'd probably go to mass on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> boy, that's amazing, churning, them out, churning out these masterpieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Scott, why don't you... Um, I, I'm sure you probably had some, some thoughts when... Uh, uh, Laura was talking about ha- finding the authentic instruments because I know your organization is is interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, certainly at NAM, um, you know, we feel that uh, listening to all kinds of music is great, and there are many benefits to that. But uh, when you take that next step and start playing it yourself, it opens up a you know a whole rainbow of, of new uh, benefits uh, to, to people of all ages. And really, that's what our organization is is about. Um, where um, we kind of represent the other side of the music industry, the musical instruments uh, manufacturers and the uh, the retailers, the mom, from the mom and pop stores uh, to the chain stores that, that sell these things. So really, uh, our industry kind of makes uh, the the business of music itself uh, possible, and um, and it's a it's a great uh, business to be in because we get to do uh, you know great things like. Uh, you know, keep music education programs uh, strong in schools, and um, and just helps you know spread the word about uh, all of music's benefits, including uh, stress reduction and and um, you know social and health and wellness uh, benefits. So what I what I was thinking of um, uh, when Laura was talking was, um, you know, the fact that uh, according to our latest uh, Gallup research, you know, more than eighty five percent of people who don't play a musical instrument really wish that they did, and um, you know. Uh, that's why we have a, a, a website that we've established called uh, uh, wantaplaymusic.com. That's really all about putting up the latest research, the latest stories, um, just anything that we think can inspire people to, uh, to, you know, to take up this pastime because it really does have a lot of 
additional benefits other than just the fun of um, of, of playing music. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you do. A, you have a want to play campaign. Can you tell us about that? What actually is that? Sure, absolutely. It's a nationwide public awareness campaign. It's about three years old now, and it's really kind of dedicated to the uh, the proposition, uh, like I said, for the 85% of people who, who really uh, wish they could play a musical instrument. Uh, we encounter a lot of folks, and, um, and usually the, the conversation goes the same way. They say, well, I used to play in, in school, or, um, you know, that's good for my kids, but, you know, it's not for me. And, and really, we find that the, it, this is something that a lot of people aspire to do, but... Um, just don't seem to um, necessarily, you know, either consider it something that only the musical or the chosen few can do. And really, we're here to, to kind of break down some of those uh, those barriers and say that um, making music is really something that everybody can participate in, and um, you know, like I said, achieve a lot of benefits from from doing so. So if you go to the website, you can see all kind of, we like. Well, wait, well, we don't want people going to the website just yet. We want them to be listening. <laughs> Not we'll just yet. all the wait. website addresses and so on. But I, I was, maybe when we come back, you can tell us specifically some of, you know, how your program does that and gets more people interested. And, of yeah, course, absolutely. now in, in today's times, it's, it's even more valuable than ever. It's kind of ironic um, people, I, 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 well, I'll, I'll continue once the break is over. Um, we do need to take a break. We're talking today about music soothing the savage breast, and my guests are Musica Angelica manager Laura Spino and National Association of Music Merchants Scott Robertson. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. 
host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about how music soothes the savage breast. See, I just put that in there so I could keep saying breast. (laughs) Actually, no, that is the actual quote. Um, We now are joined by Charles Andrews. He is the host of a number of shows on KUSC, which is a classical music station. He's the host of the Baroque show, classical music, and the Mozart mix. So you're an eclectic classical (laughs) music man. Um, Before before you got on, we were talking about um, each of Laura and and Scott's, um, what they're, the projects that they're involved with. And uh, why don't we talk about what you're doing, but also if you could start off with how you came to be doing with what you're doing. I'm talking about from when you were a little boy, how um, music became your passion and your work. Well, it is a little bit self-indulgent to talk about that, I think, but I can say that it was in my family. I was introduced to all kinds of music, but actually mainly classical music when I was very young, and I I think that's really influential. I mean, it's, it's kind of a um, common sense, but it's also quite powerful, and... I think the longer it takes for someone to become exposed to anything, the less likely it is they'll become really passionate about it. Although that said, you know, you can be introduced to something great at any age and become it can become very important to you. But in my case, I was just one of those people who heard this music from the time practically I was born. And uh, actually, before I was born, my mother claimed she was playing the Beethoven Fourth Piano Concerto to soothe herself. Huh. So. So it was started before I was born, and well, well, maybe that just, makes a difference and maybe it doesn't, but the point is I was just compelled by it from the time I was very young. Well, did your family members like to listen to the music, or did they play instruments, or were they in an orchestra? Or Well, it was both in my case. My father was a pianist. Not bad, but he didn't stay with it. Most of them, mostly they just loved to listen to it, and so that's, that's where I started. Okay, and then what happened? Well, um... I was just one of those things that became my thing from the time I was very young. I, I listened to the music on on the radio and on uh, on records, of course, and um, learned to play the flute when I was um, in grade school because there was a very uh, 
really a very effective um, music program in the schools that I went to here in Southern California. And um, so that was that kind of leads us to what you were talking about earlier is the, the power of the society itself making music education important. And I think it's clear uh, that music education is not nearly so important maybe to our wider society as it once was. And why do you think that that is? I don't know. What do we value? What do people value? So much of what we value now has to do with how can I get my kid in the best school so that they can earn a lot of money, so that they can be successful, however you define that. And I think maybe, you know, I'm no no real expert on this, but it seems to me, and maybe Scott can chime in here, that it seems to me a lot of what's happened is we've we've transferred our values from just exposing kids to lots of powerful things to exposing them only to those things that will result in some kind of immediate payback. Mm. Yeah, that's well said. Well, I um, let, let me chime in with my background because it's uh, yeah. it's it's kind of the opposite of that. Actually. Yeah, uh, I, I certainly got exposure to uh, music um, through the through the school system. I've I've been uh, I've been playing music you know for for a long time. Uh, still play today, in fact. And um, what do you play? Yeah, I play in a little uh, bar band, uh, Mustang Sally, Brown Eyed Girl, that kind of thing. Not at the Hollywood Bowl or anything, but I have fun. And uh, you know, and I and I just you know enjoy uh, making music with my friends. But you know, I I came up through the school system playing that, and really I started playing uh, you know rock music as a teenager, really just just to get girls. <laughs> and I will tell you that it works. Really. <laughs> so it, I've heard. <laughs> yes, it's it's, uh, it's a good thing. So, um, you know. And then, th- and throughout my uh, you know adult life, you know, I basically uh, was able to support myself in, in college, and everybody else would get you know jobs at the burger joint or bars and things like that. And I would uh, you know play in uh, in little blues bands and stuff, and, and make my uh, my you know my money that way. Um, you know, uh, no necessarily you know structured formal you know education in it. Uh, just you know, just really enjoy it, and it's um, and it's something that um, I think really a lot of my creativity in my job today. Um, you know, I've always been able to draw upon music, you know, for uh, that creative inspiration. I think you exercise those creative muscles um, by playing a musical instrument uh, in a different way, and I think that it's um, you know, it's real important just to kind of segue into the music education question. I think um, you know, a lot of the uh, the talk from from the new administration. You know, uh, we just had the Secretary Arnie Duncan on a teleconference uh, last week uh, for our SupportMusic.com uh, coalition, and um, uh, you know, very encouraging to hear the things that uh, that Washington has to say about uh, about music and the arts um, and, and education. Um, the, the one of the problems with the education system is that it's um, you know, it's really, it's largely a local decision. So the federal government has a, a small amount of control, but really the control and all the power really kind of rests, you know, by design actually, you know, with the uh, the, the local school boards and the local parents. So um, you know, when those cutbacks are uh, are being suggested at the at the board meetings, uh, organizations like ours, like NAM, we try to get the right research and the right information into the hands of those passionate advocates, so they can show up at those meetings and fight for what they believe in. Because it's really a, a district by district type of uh, of decision, um, it, it's hard to say. We get the question a lot. You know, is music education really you know declining? You certainly hear you know you hear about it um, you know being cut out of a, a lot of districts. But then we hear just as many stories about programs that are that are doing fantastic and and trend and you know 
doing better than they ever have have done. So it's um, it's really a hard subject to paint with a broad brush, mm-hmm. is, is what I would say. And I think a lot of people make that mistake of, of saying that, that music education is this or it's that. It's really just kind of depends on where you live and how the you know how much advocacy efforts you have in your area. Uh, that that's certainly something that, that we find. But of um, from our last Gallup survey, we certainly found that um, majority of Americans agree that um, music and the arts are very beneficial for kids. They help. Uh, 97% of those uh, people agree that it helps a child uh, develop creativity and teamwork skills and um, helps their overall intellectual and emotional development. Um, it just sometimes make, you know, connecting the dots between, uh, between those things and, um, you know, and getting that information into the hands of, of people who will make that case to, uh, to the school board, you know. A lot of these things are kind of largely political. Yes. Um, I, I think that, that so I, I guess the idea is convincing the parents first just how important it is. I mean, people, as you were saying, uh, Charles, that, that sometimes well, these days more and more people are so focused on, on making my child successful and they don't get it that it's not just going to be math and chemistry, you know, that um, is going to make their... And, and English, I guess, is, that's going to make their students, their children successful. But it, it's it's understanding how art and music really does work on the brain to um, enhance functioning. And I mean, besides besides allowing the students to enjoy it, um, I, I mean, I remember going hearing concert. If I hadn't had the, I'm a product of the New York public school system, and um, if I hadn't had the kind of education where I could appreciate classical music, uh, music, you know, Baroque music, all kinds of going back in the history of music, and of course in college as well, taking those kinds of courses, then when I think about um, like traveling uh, throughout the world or even just in your backyard, hearing you can't appreciate as much a concert or, or a, a, a CD of music if you don't have that historical background. And if you, if you don't get it in, in um, elementary school, high school, college, um, chances, the chances of you just picking up a, a book on music history later on are not very good. Although, if I may interject just for a second, in, yeah. in all the time that I've spent doing classical music on the radio yes. and playing a lot of music, too, I've played in orchestra, I've played, played a lot of concerts in my life, what, what I've come away with is that ultimately this music, like any music, is an emotional, sensual experience. Yes. And, and really, I do feel pretty strongly now that, that you don't have to know anything. All you have to be is open. And to me, that's what maybe we are... We're missing an opportunity in general in this society by not making people, allowing people the opportunity to be more open to classical music in particular and other kinds of music in general. Um, There are a lot of stereotypes that float around about classical music, some of it having to do with, well, if I don't know anything about this, I can't possibly enjoy it, which could not be more wrong. And the guys who wrote that music would have been appalled by that idea, actually. Yes, let me, you're right. Um, and I certainly don't want to discourage anyone from just being open to it and listening to it because I was trying to, that, that is a sensual experience. Um, but 
I mean, it can even be enhanced if you're given those seeds when the young, when you're young, um, to understand it. But absolutely, you know, this weekend I wasn't really think, trying to remember what I had learned about Baroque music sometime in the past. I was just sitting there, um, out in the, you know, under the trees, um, just, just enjoying it, just thinking about, just, just kind of being quiet and letting the sounds, uh, <laughs> The Baroque sounds, not these sounds, <laughs> rush over me. And it was really beautiful. I'm glad you I'm glad you made that point because it is true. I mean it's yes, the more you know about any subject, the more you can appreciate it, but yes, you don't have to know a thing and you can just sit there and have that sensual experience and it be incredibly, incredibly worthwhile. So we do need to take another break. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guests are Musica Angelica manager Laura Spino, KUSC classical host Charles Andrews, and National Association of Music Merchants Scott Robertson. When we come back, we'll be talking more. Thanks. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about how music soothes the savage breast, the importance of keeping classical music alive in the 21st century in the midst of our noisy lives. My guests are Musica Angelica manager Laura Spino, KUSC, uh, classical music host Charles Andrews, and National Association of Music Merchants Scott Robertson. Um, we were starting a lively debate before <laughs> the break, and Laura, why don't you uh, chime in, so to speak? Well, we were, had just been talking about how uh, some of the preconceived notions that people might have is if I, they don't know anything about classical music, then, then perhaps it's not something for them, or they tend to stay away from the concert hall. And talking about the role that orchestras these days have played with pre-concert lectures and trying to get information out to people, so that way when they do come to the concert hall, they, they uh, have a little bit more knowledge about what they're about to hear, why perhaps it was written that way, or why that program was put together, and, and therefore have a more enjoyable experience. Um, as we were talking uh, also about uh, Charles grew up uh, with a family that, that uh, was somewhat educated in, in classical music and helped him to appreciate it. Uh, Scott and myself did not necessarily grow up in, in maybe that kind of a family, but, but found it through the schools, and, and I know myself, uh, I grew up in a household that um, really we played a lot of Frank Sinatra, <laughs> which is great too, but I really found my love and passion for classical music through the schools. Uh, but, but if someone doesn't have that, that opportunity, then how is it later in life that we, we give that to them? Or, or how do we get them to take that step and, and either turn on the radio and listen on KUSE or, or go on YouTube and, and uh, view the orchestra that we were talking about that was created uh, yeah. Uh, it's just it, it's getting adults. Uh, there's music education for for younger people, but also we're finding we're having to educate some adults these days. Yes, too. who missed out on this? And you know, I was just remembering now that it wasn't really that parents can, of course, play an important role if your school isn't really uh, having a sufficient music program. There are. I remember I my mother used to take me to these programs in New York where there would be concerts for for young children um, where they would talk. Uh, before the concert and talk about the lives of the composers and, I don't know, have these engaging activities that would make the concert be all that much more interesting. And I know I've also taken my own daughter to that, these kinds of programs in L.A. Um, at the uh, uh, Music Center, they have programs where, um, and, and it's just as enjoyable. I mean, it's supposed to be for children, but it's just as enjoyable for adults who either never knew or need to be reminded of some of these things. It just makes the music a lot more fun. Oh, sure. But if, yeah. if you don't have a parent that perhaps um, is is that up on things or, or really finds it important, and especially in this day and age where we're twittering and emailing and everything is going by in a flash, uh, sometimes to get people to think, well, I, I do want to spend two or three hours just sitting and listening and, and absorbing. It, that, that, I find, is, is difficult these days, too. I, I'm not sure that the trajectory that we're on is really um, going to help the uh, the music industry <laughs> because you really do need to be able to, uh, to put aside a couple hours and 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 uh, put turn off your BlackBerry for a little while. Yes, yes, that 
as you said at the concert yesterday, you know, turn over your Blackberry. It's like people go into uh, withdrawal when they have to turn off their Blackberries. I know, but but hopefully we'll be able to, in, in the time even that you listen to our concert, um, if you, if you're like you, I think we were talking, if you're open enough and you just let that music wash over you and if you have some passion inside of you for it and, and allow it to touch you emotionally, then it, it's worth turning off the Blackberry and, and not being... Uh, not twittering during a concert. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I was kind of, I mean, we, people are far too addicted to their cell phones and and uh, Blackberries to begin with. Um, this, You know, it's interesting because I think uh, it's all, there's also another uh, trend or or aspect of society that's making it harder, too, and it's, it's really kind of counterproductive, um, and that is that, you know how when people go on vacations, uh, quiet vacations, like let's say you know to, to someplace relative or at least it's quieter from their they're not in their in their regular lives. Sometimes people get very antsy because when they're removed from all the busyness of their lives, um, they have more time to think. And uh, as sad as it is, you know, when when they're feeling stressed out because of either uh, their own personal situation or the world situation, uh, it, this time to think becomes becomes time that they they think about all these things that they worry about, and um, you know, it, it would be kind of sad if that. And I think it may well be influencing um, the willingness that people have. To, to sit and listen to music when in fact really it's the opposite of what we all need. Not only can music be especially classical and Baroque and that kind of music be incredibly soothing, um, but we also need that time to go into ourselves and become more creative within ourselves and to not just sit there and worry about uh, whether we're going to be laid off next week, but to just, to just think about life on a higher plane. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a audible uh, yoga, I suppose. Um, yes. <laughs> Although, you know, it is worth keeping in mind that a great deal of the music that was written, uh, art music, classical music, call it what you will, especially earlier in the, in the Baroque period in the 18th century, that stuff was written for a very rarefied audience. So in, in a funny kind of way, mm-hmm. when we lament that can we keep classical music alive, I always kind of have to have to be bemused by that because in a very real way this was always a niche entertainment mm. and the more people that can be exposed to it, i think it's great because i think it's a it's a wonderful art like any other wonderful art but we it, it's it's fair to keep in mind that you know beethoven wrote his last string quartet for a very rarefied audience and he never really thought much about it being a mass entertainment and i mm. think that's probably true for not all, certainly, but a lot of this music was conceived that way. Doesn't mean lots of people can't appreciate it, but that is where it came from originally. And that's how a lot of people view uh, playing a musical instrument, too. They, they, again, we hear that from so many people. They view it as, oh, well, that's just for the, the 10% of the population, the, uh, the musical people. And, um, you know, our organization certainly stands in opposition of that idea, um, you know, uh, in you know, shows like American Idol that kind of glorify the one, uh, you know, narrow down all these different people to get to the, the one person and then along the way uh, tell all the other contestants that they're no good and they can't, um, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't do this. And um, there's just all this research that says that if you uh, take up this pastime, if you, if you, uh, if you decide to uh, jump over these barriers and, um, and play a musical instrument, you're going to get this whole treasure chest of benefits. 
And uh, it really is something that everyone uh, can enjoy and, and should enjoy. And uh, and that's really just not a message that's being uh, that's being sent out by a lot uh, a lot of people today. So you know, we I try to send it out loud. And I think uh, uh, it's a lot like sports too. I mean, not everyone's going to grow up to be a fantastic basketball or a fantastic baseball player, but certainly everybody knows how to throw a ball. Mm. And mm-hmm. why why shouldn't everyone know how? read music or pick up an instrument and make some noise, even though they're not going to end up being a Zach Perlman. Um, That's right. I'm in. We, we you know, couldn't agree more, and I think a lot of it is just because you know they'll have an experience in their life where they were told that they weren't any good or, or this isn't for you or, and, and, um, you know, and, and you shouldn't do this, and there's just this kind of mythology that's built up around it. Um, probably by the musical few who enjoy being special, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just not true is the simple fact of the matter that, um, that anyone can enjoy uh, picking up. A, um, I can show anybody how to play, you know, a rock song on guitar um, in, you know, less than an hour, and they can be, you know, in, enjoying that. Now, certainly, you know, there's something to be said for practicing and getting better at what you, at what you do and, and, and all, not taking anything away from all that, but... Um, Again, there's just um, there's just too many benefits to be had, you know, by by doing this not to not to try. Well, I wouldn't want to be misunderstood. I mean, I, I'd like to go back to what I said a little while ago: is that appreciating any music it involves appreciating its sensual the sensual pleasure that it offers. And and to me, almost all classical music, with, with a few exceptions, is basically a sensual pleasure. And if it was sold on that basis mm. to more people. A lot more people would be down with it, but yeah. in, instead, it's sold in a lot of other ways. And you know, when I when I listen to to any kind of music, my my antenna are always cocked toward where's the pleasure in this mm. sheer physical pleasure of listening to this. And anybody can get with that, you know. So you should use that uh, Sousa Savage breast line. You get this. <laughs> well, yeah, right right. there. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, when when you in L.A. now, um, when it's a choice between listening to uh, a news station, <laughs> we'll we'll let them be nameless, um, or, ch- or turning to KUSC on the news, you're hearing about all the fires in L.A. right now, you know, or other or murders or you know some other uh, disasters um, or violence. And or you could sit there and have the sensual pleasures of uh, KUSC classical music, and and you know it should be a no brainer. And yet, of course, we're so I, I think um, part of it also since nine eleven, we're so keyed up to thinking that if we don't know what's going on every minute, our lives are going to be in danger. How have you um, have you encountered that, Charles? You know, t- when you um, are at different events promoting. Uh, your station, do you, I mean, what do, what do people say about that? Well, the, the predominant thing that we know, not only from, you know, anecdotal evidence of talking to people, but from studying our audience a little bit, mm-hmm. is that people are enormously relieved that KUSC is there for them when they need it, when they need an oasis, a place to get away from the the pressures of the rest of the world. And what I love about, and this is, it's absolutely true, I'm not making this up, this is really what people tell us. And what I love about that is that is what the music was originally intended for in the first place. Mm-hmm. So there's a great congruity, a, a harmony of purpose there. Just even though the music's on the radio now, instead of in a drawing room or in a salon or in a concert hall, uh, for a lot of people, because something like 90% of the people who listen to KUSC 
probably won't go to a concert. That's just the way it is, and I, I think that's too bad, but, but that is the way it is. So for the other 80 or 90 percent, they get to have the music on the station, and they do listen primarily because it is an escape, an oasis from um, mm-hmm. maybe a more difficult existence the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, especially when you're listening to it sitting in traffic on the freeway. <laughs> right. Well, we do need to take a break. We're talking today about uh, music soothing of the savage breast. I hope your breast hasn't soothed so far this this hour, and we'll be back talking more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about the importance of keeping music, including classical music, or perhaps especially classical music, alive during the 21st century in the midst of the noise of our lives. And um, before I go back to my guests, I want to read some of the um, things that NAM, um, the National Association of Music Merchants, has on its website as examples of how music making has been scientifically linked with exercising the brain, inspiring creativity, increasing productivity, fighting memory loss, reducing stress, lowering blood pressure, staving off depression, enhancing cognitive development in children, building confidence, and creating social connections and bonds. All of these things are important. And, of course, that's just uh, playing music in general, not just classical music, but music making in general. And it makes Julianne fries. And what? <laughs> just making a joke. Okay. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of list, a long list of benefits, but all of that is actually uh, true and, and documented, and we're studying that and learning new things all the time about, um, you know, all the benefits that making music has for people of all ages. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about kids, um, but uh, I could certainly talk a long time about, about senior citizens and, and um, you know, all the stories of, 
of the uh, New Horizons bands across the country where senior citizens get together and have this brand new social outlet and, and play music together. I mean, just, uh, you know, um, you know, people playing music together really uh, improves and changes their lives in a real positive way. And, uh, you know, we're glad to be a part of that. Yes. Now, um, during the break, we've been talking about a way of, of classical music meets the 21st century on YouTube. Could you tell us about that? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I guess it was about a, about a year ago, um, uh, YouTube uh, decided they were going to uh, create a, um, you know, a, a symphony orchestra. Of the, and basically what they did was they called for uh, professionals and amateurs you know, all around the world to submit videos of, them, of playing a, a piece by, that they uh, chose. Um, I think it was a, a piece by a Chinese composer. And, um, and then the finalists were selected. Um, you know, basically they had a judging panel from players from the, uh, some of the world's best orchestras, and um, and it was really an. I mean, it was, it was the story was covered all over the media, but um, you know, I, I really encourage people to go to YouTube and, and check out, especially the final uh, composition, because you really have all these people from various backgrounds. And one of the things that we like in them about it, there were so many amateurs that played alongside with the professionals on this, and really it kind of gets to you know one of our key points, which is that you know. Um, uh, Music is for everybody, and um, you know it's just really uh, it's really an interesting uh, way for kind of the 21st century you know technology to uh, to, to meet this uh, you know amazing uh, classical music. So uh, I didn't quite get that. So each of these people submitted uh, videos of themselves playing this piece, and then did all the people come together in one spot and play together, or was it? Uh, edited together. Yeah, they um, they had finalists that um, were uh, were selected by this judging panel. Then they were, they flew them to New York and they all played together live um, at Carnegie Hall in this amazing performance. And uh, and then that performance you can actually see on YouTube as well. So that's hmm. um, uh, and I believe you can uh, you know they have an album and some other things that I've seen you know, since then. But they tracked this whole thing. You know, their, their road to Carnegie Hall and it's just a really interesting experiment. Um, you know, and it uh, you know. Neat, neat thing for music making, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know the old joke. How did you? How do you? Somebody uh, stopped a man in the street in New York and said, "How do you get to Carnegie Hall?" And he said, "Practice, Sonny, practice." <laughs> <laughs> or submit on YouTube, I suppose. Yeah, so I now submit on YouTube, right? Um, well, any closing thoughts, Laura, Charles? I'll let Laura go first. Goldie. <laughs> Thought. Uh, just, of course, from uh, an orchestra's perspective, we, we would love to be able to reach more people and have more people come and actually enjoy live music, uh, be able to be in an independent space and feel the, the passion from the players and have that exchange. And I think that the, the, the route that we're traveling is to hopefully engage the audience more in pre-concert and post-concert events so they can actually talk with the musicians and uh, really just feel that this orchestra is, is part of their life as well. And I, I think we'll see more orchestras going that route um, to involve, involve its patrons and keep them, keep them excited about, about taking that time, especially in Los Angeles, to travel across town in the freeways to go for a few hours. Um, uh, I think I love what Charles said about it being an oasis. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we hope to be an oasis for people. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and um, Musica Angelica does it in a, uh, in a has the advantage of making that intimate kind of connection in the uh, because of it being so small and close, and you do feel like you're you're intimately involved with the uh, musicians. Um, why don't you give out your website? 
while we're talking about that? Sure, sure. It's uh, Musica Angelica, all one word, and people have to make sure to put the two A's at the in the center because uh, mm. sometimes people forget that part. But it's Musica Angelica dot o r g, and we have our season on sale right now. We'll have seven concerts uh, throughout the season, featuring uh, different uh, different aspects of of the Baroque era. Okay, and Charles. Yeah, I, I work for KUSC Radio in Los Angeles, owned by the University of Southern California, and our website is KUSC.org. And we have a number of interesting things on the website, including a couple of podcasts, and we do stream our live service uh, over the website. And we actually have listeners all over the world. Um, I did want to say one other little thing, which was that it's it's been amazing to me over the years what happens when you open yourself up to any kind of art music in particular. So I guess what I would say to to uh, listeners is that it really can be worthwhile to open yourself up to any all kinds of music, even things you thought you really didn't like too much, because you never know what will happen. It's, it All music, to me, is articulating that which we cannot articulate verbally, uh, which is kind of a, a cliche, but it's a very true one. And if you really open yourself up to the experience of different kinds of music. Um, it's quite remarkable how your world can um, get bigger. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, I mean, thinking back to my experience this weekend, listening to Music Angelica, it's it's like we were sitting in this courtyard, and, and it was as if we were sitting on a cloud somewhere. Um, Scott? Yeah, uh, well, certainly, you know, listening to classical music, you know, is, is, is fantastic. But I really encourage everybody out there to take that next step and, and play yourself. Seriously. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, play music, you know, take that next step, play a musical instrument. It's, it's a fantastic pastime. You will not regret it. Um, it's really something that you can do for a lifetime, and it gives you uh, just a ton of benefits back. And if you want to find out more about that, uh, please visit our website, which is uh, wannaplaymusic.com, and that's uh, W-A-N-N-A, playmusic.com. Okay, that's great. Yes, I I, I do. Um, I agree with, with all my guests today. I mean, it's so... Uh, it's so important. Now, I'm actually in the process of uh, every year for the last several years, I've sung in, the, uh, in my synagogue's choir for the High Holidays, uh, the right. Jewish High Holidays, and um, so we started rehearsals already, and I'm looking at the notes, and I'm thinking to myself, I, I took, actually, I took accordion lessons when I was young, because you my mother didn't want to give me piano lessons, because she said, um, well, you know, you, you won't necessarily be able to find a piano wherever you go, but you can carry an accordion wherever <laughs> you go. So I learned how to play the accordion, and now that kind of amazes me, doing all those things at the same time. And then um, after I sort of outgrew that, uh, I got more interested in guitar. But now, trying to sing and look at those notes, I'm thinking, um, now let's see, what was that again? Every good boy does fine. <laughs> and face, right? But but it's sort of back in the recesses of my mind. And yes, it, you know, it is true that even when people learn, sometimes they give it up before they should because they let other things in life that seem like they're so much more important at the time uh, take over, and you don't really keep up the the playing or or the appreciating. Of course, it's easier to get back into appreciating than playing, but but all of this is so incredibly, incredibly important um, for some of the things that I mentioned, that I, the list that I read, and 
and just finding that oasis. It's absolutely true. So I'd like to thank my guests, Musica Angelica manager Laura Spino, KUSC classical music host Charles Andrews, and National Association of Music Merchants Scott Robertson. And again, those websites to find out more about each of these organizations are musicaangelica.org, M-U-S-I-C-A-A-N-G-E-L-I-C-A, musicaangelica.org, KUSC.org, and wannaplaymusic.com. So please check it all out and uh, go out there and find your oases. Really, the news is not going to change that much every day. (laughs) If you check in, you know, once an hour, um, it's not going to change that much from one hour to the next. I mean, unless you're in the line of the fire, literally, um, it's really more important to start listening to something that can get you more in tune, literally, with yourself. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.